Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning. And welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. My name is Donna Pritchard. I'm the pastor here, and this is... I'm Claudia Carr, and I'm the liturgist this morning. And it is a great delight to be together in this space. Now, before anybody gets too concerned, I have to tell you, there's really no reason that I'm wearing black today. <laughs> the only thing is, I took my robe, my white robe home and washed it, and I forgot to bring it back. <laughs> So, no worries, we're still a place of great joy and thanksgiving this morning. So let's welcome those who are worshiping online with us as well. Welcome. And now my friends, if you would rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Take a breath, a deep breath. God calls us together to transform us into his grace. Transform our hearts, God, that we may love generously. Transform our eyes, God, that we may not that we may see your grace. Transform our hands, God, that we may serve others. Transform our spirits, God that we may truly be the body of Christ. We, we gather, gather together, we breathe together, together in the hope of transformation. So be it as we worship and as we live. And now through the passing of the peace, offering signs of peace to you and your partner with whatever signs are most comfortable for you. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Peace.
Children, you can come on up. <laughs> Good morning. I'm starting to recognize faces. Okay, so yes, or last week we talked about thinking about things that we love. And this morning, we're going to make it a practice as well, and we're going to breathe in things that we think are beautiful. So we're going to practice taking a deep breath over things that are full of beauty. So when you think in your heads about something that you think is beautiful, what do you think about? Anything that you think is really beautiful? Yeah. Flowers. Yeah. Flowers. Okay, so let's practice taking a deep breath over the beauty of flowers. What else do you think is beautiful? Um, pretty flowers. Oh, pretty flowers again. Let's take a deep breath and breathe in the beauty of flowers. Anything else that comes to mind when you think of something beautiful? What about inside this church? I have oh, you have another thing? Okay. Um, we want everyone in the whole wide world. Ooh, I like that one. Everyone in the whole wide world. Let's breathe in the beauty. And breathe out. Yes. Now, sometimes we think beauty is always outside or away from where we are, but beauty is always around us. And sometimes we just have to soften our hearts and our eyes to see it. So what in this room do you think is beautiful? Something in this room. Do you have an idea, Phoebe? Um, yes, the Freddy Dot. The Freddy Dot. Oh, the pretty stuff in this room. I see beautiful banners. I see beautiful humans. Yeah. The star up there. Oh, the star? Yes, let's take a moment and breathe in the star. Anything else that comes to mind? Life. Oh, the gift of life. Let's take a moment to breathe it in. Any last thoughts around things inside this room that are so beautiful? Okay, let's say a prayer and give thanks. God, we give you thanks for the beauty of the day, for the creation that you've made that is in us and around us. And we pray that we soften our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits to your grace. Amen.
Amen indeed. Thank you for those of you who shouted that out. <laughs> I want to make a quick introduction to the scripture uh, which Howard will read for us today. It comes from the book of Romans, which is of course a letter to the first century Christians living in Rome. And like all of Paul's letters, Romans is a mix of theology, which is words about God, and practicality, or words about us, and specifically what it means to live as Christians with one another. Today's passage is all about that practicality. Starting off with an exhortation to show up and to pay attention and to invest in a relationship with God, and then to be willing to change, or in Paul's words, to be transformed. Now the Greek word which Paul uses here for transformation is the same word that we get our word metamorphosis from. Now metamorphosis, as you probably know, is a word most commonly used to describe the change that a caterpillar undergoes as it becomes a butterfly. That is usually what we think of when we hear metamorphosis. What we sometimes forget, though, is that in some ways, that caterpillar substance is still the same. Even though it's changed, from caterpillar to butterfly, it is still the same being, which raises the question and offers the possibility about our own potential for transformation. Let's listen now as Howard reads the scripture for us. Good morning, friends. My name is Howard Carr. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. The scripture lesson today is a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, in the Common English Bible Version. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should pro prophesy in proportion to your faith. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation.
please be seated. <clears throat> Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ, who calls us into community this day. <coughs> breathe. Just breathe. Right here, right now, take a deep breath in. Let it fill your lungs. Take it deep into your belly and relish the energy, the possibility of your breath telling you that you are alive, right here, right now, and anything is possible. Last week, we began a sermon series we're calling Take a Breath, and we began with breathing in. This week, we pick up that refrain with a little bit different focus. I came across a quote by a Japanese Zen priest to get us started. Shunru Suzuki suggests, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. Somehow, we have been led to believe that being a beginner is a little bit embarrassing that we are somehow lacking when we are just starting out. So it's easy for us to sit on the sidelines and to excuse ourselves with thoughts of if only or maybe someday. But you know, the truth is we are all beginners. At some time or another, we are beginners at things like sports, or music, or mathematics, or whatever, you fill in the blank. At some time or another, we may be beginners at entrepreneurship or at faith, because we are all beginners at life. Nobody has done your life before. And let me, in on, let, me let you in on a little secret. Nobody is pulling off their life like an expert. If you think that they are, if it looks like that, then you probably don't know them very well. <laughs> so let me say it again. And hopefully this time these words will sink in. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. But in the expert's mind, there are only a few. To be firmly planted in possibility leaves us wide open to receive the gift of God's transformation. Woody Allen once quipped that 80% of life is just showing up. And it is true, isn't it? It is important to be present to truly inhabit your own life with an awareness of your breath, your power, your emotions, your hopes, your dreams, even your fears. Sometimes being a beginner is what gives you the courage to show up. Well, Paul says to the early Christians and to us, do not be conformed to this age. Instead, be transformed in relationship with Christ. Now, we all know what it is to be conformed, to be like everyone else, to continue being and doing what we already know. To be conformed is to turn your back on new possibilities. It is to shut your eyes to the light of revelation and to shutter your heart against the love of God. We all know what it is to be conformed because we live in a culture that inundates us with messages designed to keep us conformed to this world, to buy all the products of a consumer culture or the conflicts of a political sphere, to buy into all the rhetoric and the hype of the world as it is. 
We know what it is to be conformed. But to be transformed is something else altogether. To be transformed is to welcome the unique life God is giving you. To breathe in deeply the gift of change, of new possibility and new life. It is to say no to the death-dealing ways of the world. It is to say no to the isolationist, exclusive, privatized view that says that life is all about me and mine, all about my way of seeing justice and injustice, all about my understanding of right and wrong, all about my opinion and nobody else. To be transformed is to allow for broader interpretations of reality it is to understand that the line between right and wrong may not be as easily or clearly delineated as we might hope. To be transformed is to say yes to the life-giving, self-expanding good news of Jesus. To turn your face toward the light and the love of God and to be willing again and again to begin. Martin Luther King Jr. summarized these words from the 12th chapter of Romans in a phrase that he called transformed nonconformity. That is what we are called into when we begin to grow in our relationship with Christ and with one another. We are called into transformed nonconformity. Now, before you start getting too nervous, this does not mean you have to shave your head or move to a compound or drink some Kool-Aid with me. <laughs> the French sociologist Jacques Ellul worked with marginalized teenagers on the streets of Bordeaux in the 1950s and 1960s. His goal, he always said, was not to make those marginalized and disenfranchised youth adjust to the normal patterns of society. He said making them fit in would make them cultural conformists. Rather, Elieu said his goal was to help the kids move from being negatively maladjusted to society to becoming positively maladjusted. <laughs> I love that. He wanted them to become the kind of nonconformists who could breathe in transformation and receive the possibility of beginning again and again and again. When Paul suggested to the Roman Christians they needed to change, it may have been because they were tempted to become just like the rest of the world around them, and who could blame them? When members of the church were being persecuted for Jesus rather than Caesar, when some of them were being ex executed for not conforming to the norm of Roman rule, it would have been tempting to think, I'm just gonna go with the flow. I'll be able to go to worship once a week, but after that, I'm going to blend in. I'm going to be inconspicuous. I'm going to be conformed to the rest of the world for the rest of the week. But Paul says, no, be transformed. Now, isn't it interesting? He does not say transform yourself. It's not something we can do on our own. And it is not something which happens in a vacuum. We cannot do it alone. Transformations big and small require our involvement, but they do not require us to go it alone. God's work is not a solitary event of internal change. It is an act of community. That is why we come to the baptismal font. That is why we come to the communion table. 
It's why we come to worship. It's also why we come to our various ministries and even to our internal struggles as a community. Every time we choose to show up and to participate in the 80% of life, every time we come together with a beginner's mind, we find the greatest number of possibilities for our lives, for our faith, and even for our world. Fred Craddock once said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, he said, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to God is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, God, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that God sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 bill for quarters. And then we go through life putting out our 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor's kid instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ is not glorious. It is done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's much harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. So take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That is the first imperative of faith. You gotta show up. You gotta show up for God and for one another and embrace what God has done for you. And then trust that as you breathe in transformation, you will be changed from the inside out. So breathe, just breathe. For we are all beginners, beginning again right now. Thanks be to God. Amen.
my friends, this week, we saw an unusual sight, a church trial of a United Methodist bishop. While this was a complicated case, and while there remain varying opinions about the process, it did in fact follow the Book of Discipline in all its mandates when complaints arise against a bishop. There were many attempts to reach a just resolution prior to coming to trial. In order to have a just resolution, the respondent, the bishop, as well as the complainants, must agree. The only reason it came to trial is that that was not the case. After hearing testimony from many witnesses on both sides, the trial court returned a verdict of not guilty to all four charges against Bishop Minerva Carcano. They found her actions to be within the bounds of her Episcopal authority. I want to read to you now a portion of a pastoral letter from the Western Jurisdiction's College of Bishops. Although the judicial process is complete, we recognize that pain and anguish are present in this moment. We don't minimize the hurt we all carry. And at the same time, we begin the work of healing. No verdict, innocent or guilty, will do the hard work of restoring and building the necessary trust for healthy relationships. This will require diligence, mercy, reconciliation, and restoration by all parties. As your College of Bishops, we remain committed to guiding our jurisdiction through this season with integrity, compassion, and a listening spirit. We invite you to join us in prayer, seeking God's wisdom and grace as we navigate the path ahead. May we all be in prayer for all those concerned and for the worldwide United Methodist Church. Let us pray. You, God, Lord and Sovereign, lover and partner, you are God of all our possibilities. You preside over all our comings and goings, all our wealth and all our poverty, all our sickness and all our health, all our despair and all our hope, all our living and all our dying. We are grateful, we are grateful for your presence and for your sovereign presiding. So we lift to you now those listed in our prayers today and those closest to our own hearts. You are God of all our possibilities. You are also God of all our impossibilities. You have presided over the emancipations and the healings of our mothers and fathers, of our siblings. You have presided over the wondrous transformations in our own lives. You have and you will preside over those parts of our lives we imagine to be closed.
and we are grateful. So be your true self, O God, enacting the things impossible for us, that we might yet be whole among the blind who see and the dead who are raised, that we might yet witness your will for peace, your vision for justice, your vetoing all our killing fields. At the outset of this day, we place our lives in your strong hands. Before the end of this day, do newness among us in the very places where we are tired in fear, where we are exhausted in guilt, where we are spent in anxiety. Make all things new, even us. We pray in the new-making name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I invite us into a time of giving. The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are online, you may give in two ways. By sending a check online at edmundsumc.org give, or by sending a check via email via mail to 828 Caspers, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. Thank you for supporting the ministries at EUMC.
loving God, bless these gifts to do your work in the world. Amen. We have a few announcements this morning, and I'm looking at Nora. <laughs> Last week I had asked her if she would give a brief little witness to her experience of doing the one-to-one -one conversation with community members to find out more about what are the real needs in the community surrounding our church. And then of course I forgot to call upon her. So I hope this is okay. You know, last week I forgot, this week no notice. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take it away, Nora. <laughs> and of course last week I had notes. This week I have no notes. So I'll try to make it really brief. Thank you for this honor. Um, as you know, we've been working on the strategic planning process and I didn't have a chance to come to three of the meetings but was fortunate to arrive at the fourth meeting where you invited you and Diana invited us to go out into the community and have one-on-one -on -one conversations with a heavy emphasis on us listening and I think I've had five four or five wonderful moments with community leaders in Edmonds and I hope to at least have two more people that I plan to meet with. And um, I'm trying to remember all the things you asked me to speak about, so. <laughs> it, was, it was really an honor, I think, first of all, that people said yes, an enthusiastic yes, to sit with me and um, have a conversation, ask, answer questions, talk about our community, and especially what each person's perception of the needs in our community are. And that was very, very interesting to learn. And also they shared how they thought we could perhaps be helpful to the community at large. So I invite you to ponder this opportunity to meet with neighbors, community leaders, um, congregational members, anyone that you think you would like to get to know better, number one and also to learn from them, again, the needs in the community, how we are perceived also is another very interesting question to ask, uh, what they think of Edmonds United Methodist Church, and again, how we as a church body can reach out and help the community. So that is my summary. Thank you so much. <clears throat> you did a fabulous job. And you didn't even need your notes. Thank you. And she told me, you know, it wasn't really that scary either. So I am encouraging you. Um, leading up to our retreat on November 11th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Now I realize this is a Saturday in a three-day weekend, but there are a lot of three-day weekends. And there's only one strategic planning retreat. So please put it on your calendar, and if at all possible, register because we're gonna be providing lunch, so we'll need to know how many people are coming, and we'll be providing childcare if you need that. And we will meet in Kennedy Hall. It'll be a really um, lively and interactive, generative day, and everybody's voice is needed. So. November 11th, I'm giving you lots of notice from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Okay, a couple other quick announcements. <clears throat> we need some volunteers for youth group and also for Sunday school. And by the way, youth group is happening again tonight. It happened last week, yay! And it's happening again tonight at six o'clock uh, under the direction of our new Director of Youth and Family Ministries, Karen Johnson, and the adult volunteers that she has lined up to help. So if you are interested in being a part of a vital ministry with youth or with children in this church, please let Karen know. Um, also, <clears throat> Sunday School registration is uh, taking place right now. You can register online. And on October 8th, 
blessing of the animals. So get your animals ready. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if, if your animal is anything like my animal, it may take a little coaching. Uh, but get them ready and, and plan to bring them to worship on the 8th of October. And for those of you that don't really care to be around animals, we have a great balcony. And so you will be very welcome. In, and there's even an elevator upstairs if you need that as well. Um, so I believe uh, that there's the strategic planning retreat slide. And I believe that we are now ready for a closing hymn, if you would stand as you are able. let us go out to be God's people in all God's world. Let us go out continuously breathing in transformation and trusting in God's grace. May the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen. <laughs>